It's definitely not beginning to look a lot like Christmas. This is Adashina Koiki, and you're listening to the A Lot of Sports Talk podcast. Thank you so very much for joining us once again. This is episode number 24. And as a lot of you know, we are based in New York City. And some of the weather that we have had the past couple of weeks here in the Big Apple, it's bordered on bizarre. 50 degrees, 60 degrees, not a whole lot of wind, sunny. I mean, are we getting ready for the NFL playoffs or are we getting ready for spring training? But all that aside, we want to get to you as quickly as possible. The guests on this episode, episode number 24, a jam-packed A Lot of Sports Talk podcast. And our feature interview is with the athletic director at St. Francis College in Brooklyn. Her name is Irma Garcia. She is one of the few women who's an athletic director at the Division One level. And when she was hired by St. Francis in 2007, she became the first Latina to be named an athletic director at the Division One level. And when you listen to this interview, you will figure out why we gave this podcast the title that we gave it. It is all about family and that family feel, which is so important in running a smooth and clean athletics program at the Division One level. And we were surprised that she gave us a half an hour of her time to talk with us, given her hectic schedule being an athletic director at the division one level we talked about some things that we wanted to hit on that are so important including the prospects of more women becoming athletic directors at the division one level and another thing that irma brought up that was so important and so insightful during this interview how to improve the shockingly low numbers of Latin men attending college and graduating college as well. So Irma Garcia, a role model for anybody that crosses her path, uh, is our feature interview. She took about a half hour, a little bit more than a half hour, uh, to talk with us for uh, this podcast, and that is our feature interview. After that, we got a chance to catch up with an integral member of the United States Women's National Hockey Team. Her name is Kelly Stack. She is also a member of the Connecticut Whale of the National Women's Hockey League, the NWHL, in its inaugural season. And the Connecticut Whale have yet to lose a game in the NWHL so far. 8-0, and their latest triumph, a 4-3 win here in New York City against the New York Riveters in a shootout. Kelly Stack scoring the game-winning goal in the shootout and after the game we got a chance to catch up with Kelly talked about her domestic play in Connecticut why Connecticut has been such a dominant force so far in the NWHL and we also talked to her about her international play as the women's national hockey team getting ready to assemble later this month in Minnesota for training camp as they get ready for the world championships in the spring in British Columbia Canada so also in this podcast a conversation with two-time silver medalist in the Olympic Games and three-time world champion Kelly Stack. But we start our podcast with another family, the Heisman family, and another person joining the Heisman fraternity, Derek Henry of the University of Alabama. And we had the honor 
of covering the Heisman Trophy presentations and ceremony last Friday and Saturday here in New York City and at Times Square. And we briefly got a chance to talk with all three Heisman Trophy finalists, of course, Derrick Henry, Deshaun Watson of Clemson, as well as Christian McCaffrey of Stanford University. And we're going to bring to you some of the sound that we were able to get when we asked each of the three Heisman Trophy finalists a question. So we start off with Derrick Henry, and we got to ask him who are the running backs that he looked up to when he was growing up. So here is some sound from Derrick Henry at the New York Marriott getting ready for the Heisman Trophy last Friday. A lot of running backs are students of the game. They watch running back tape, uh, watch running backs from yesteryear, watching their tape, watching the way they run. Are there any running backs, uh, past or present, that you formulate or emulate your game after? I just got asked that question over there, but I can choose a list. Um, I like Earl Campbell, Eric Dickinson, Walter Payton, uh, Adrian Peterson. Eddie George, Why are running backs like that, where they can watch, where they want to watch the running backs from the 50s and 60s and 70s? I mean, because those guys are just physical. They dominated the game. It's a different breed. I mean, you don't see guys like that like, all the time. Like, where they played and how they ran the ball, you just, it's, it's something you have to see. And I feel like it's something you can take a lot from. So Derrick Henry mentioned players like Earl Campbell and Eddie George as running backs that he looked up to and emulated. And now Henry joins the likes of an Eddie George and an Earl Campbell in winning a Heisman Trophy. So his team, the Alabama Crimson Tide, and Henry himself, of course, getting ready to play in the college football playoff semifinals against Michigan State. Another team getting ready to play in the college football semifinals, the Clemson Tigers. They'll take on Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl. Clemson the only FBS team to be undefeated going into bowl season in 2015. And, of course, they were led by their dynamic sophomore quarterback, Deshaun Watson, who finished third in the Heisman Trophy voting. And we got a chance to catch up with Deshaun Watson during the media availability on Friday. Watson is a Southern guy. He grew up in Gainesville, Georgia, now currently in Clemson, South Carolina. And I asked him to compare the traffic in the South, in Gainesville, Georgia, in Clemson, South Carolina, to the traffic that he experienced in New York City. Uh, you mentioned running into traffic in New York City. How does traffic in New York City compare to traffic in South Carolina and other parts that you've been at? Very different. Very different. It's, it's nothing like uh, the North traffic is way worse than uh, you know the South. So uh, it's a lot more people, a lot more cars, and, and a lot more you know beeping the horns and stuff like that. So. Uh, any Heisman Trophy winner you relate to more than any other? You said you mentioned uh, seeing some of the other former Heisman winners. Any Heisman Trophy winner uh, that you remember that you really admire? Uh, just you know, previous guys that I watch, like you know, Cam Newton, Jenna Mazzell, uh Marcus Mariota, uh, Jameis Winston, Tim Tebow. Those guys that I was able to you know watch and see you know on TV. Um, those are the guys that kind of really uh, you know try to you know, look up to and, and model my game out there and uh, you know, just try to follow their lead and, and do the same thing they did. 
At the end of the media availability for Deshaun Watson, he mentioned that he wanted to have some New York cheesecake before he left uh, the Big Apple. And I got a chance to tell him that some of the best cheesecake in New York City was actually right across the street from where we were at the New York Marriott Junior's Restaurant. So hopefully Deshaun and some of his family got a chance to head across the street and have some cheesecake from Junior's. Uh, The third Heisman Trophy finalist is the player that ended up finishing as runner-up for the Heisman Trophy, Christian McCaffrey, the running back from Stanford University. And we got a chance to ask him more questions than any of the Heisman Trophy finalists during media availability last Friday. And I asked him to begin our conversation if he was able to really grasp what he did this season, breaking the NCAA record for all-purpose yards in a season previously held by Barry Sanders. And towards the end of our conversation, McCaffrey mentioned that David Shaw was more emotional than at any other time during his Stanford tenure uh, coaching this season. And I asked Christian McCaffrey why that was the case. So here is our talk with Christian McCaffrey of Stanford University. Has it really hit you the magnitude of how many yards you gained? Thirty-five football fields worth of yards this season? No, I mean I, I, I kind of just you know the game happens so fast and, and you don't really realize what's going on until after and you know you play Saturday, you get your body right Sunday, and then you're back at it Monday, and so you don't have a whole lot of time to recap um, until it kind of starts winding down. So it's kind of hit me a little bit, but um, you know all, all the yards that I got, you know that's not all me. It definitely takes ten other guys on the field doing their job in order to. Uh, make my job easy. Did you have to apologize to Barry Sanders Jr. and his dad for breaking his record? No, I didn't. Uh, I, th- I think if I were to brag about that, he he has a lot lot more things uh, in his resume that, that he could tell me. Any difficult uh, any difficulties being the son of an NFL star? Oh no, I think um, you know it's been so great for me uh, just picking my dad's brain and and, and really. He's been so awesome and supportive and, and just kind of teaching me how everything works and how to approach the game and how to approach life in general. So I think it's definitely been an advantage for me, that something, something I'm really appreciative of. Uh, going into the season, the Pac-12 was uh, regarded as maybe the most balanced uh, conference in the country. Did that balance actually act as a double-edged sword, given that the Pac-12 is not being represented in the college football playoff? I think so. I really do. Uh, I think the the you know the Pac-12 is, is such an unbelievable conference. You got ten teams in, that are in, that are in bowl games, and um, you know we beat each other up, and, and that's what makes it tough. And and so I think there's a lot you can consider. Um, you know I know there's a lot of people in the Pac-12 um, that that would agree with that. Um, but you know at, at the end of the day, uh, we can't control all that. It's up to us just to play football and, and control what we can control. Why do you, why do you think he was more emotional this year than other years, Coach Shaw? I don't know. I have no idea. I, th- I think uh, he, he told us that uh, one of our captains, Ronnie Harris, uh, senior cornerback, um, who's, who's the emotional heart and soul of our team, he really is. Um, I think he went to Coach Shaw and he said, hey, Coach, you know, I just want to let you know, you know when, you, when you bring emotion into the game, that, that, that pumps us up. You know, that we want to we play when you do that. So, you know, they have a great relationship. And that's, that's why Coach Shaw is so awesome is because he has those personal relationships uh, with his players and, and our players feel open to go up to him and talk to him about that and and uh, Coach Shaw listen you know he, he's someone who's a very reasonable person reasonable man and um, you know I think that's that's where it all started 
Once again, it was an honor to cover the 81st Heisman Trophy presentation and ceremonies in Times Square, and we can't thank enough Derek Henry, Deshaun Watson, and Christian McCaffrey for taking some time out to talk with us. So now we head to our feature interview of episode number 24 of this podcast. It's with Irma Garcia, Athletics Director at St. Francis College in Brooklyn, New York. After that, our conversation with Kelly Stack of the Connecticut. Well, and the United States women's national hockey team. So enjoy those interviews. And once again, we will see you at the very end of the show. If you're a college sports fan in New York City or in the New York City area, you know that there are a plethora of options in terms of entertaining college sports in and around the Big Apple. And one of those options happens to be right here in the Brooklyn Heights section of Brooklyn and in New York City. Of course, that's the home of the St. Francis College Terriers. And joining us right now on the A Lot of Sports Talk podcast, we are pleased to be joined by the Director of Athletics at St. Francis College. Her name is Irma Garcia, uh, athletics director since 2007, one of the few women who are athletic directors at the Division One level and also the first Latina to be an athletic director in Division One and in general as well. Uh, so first of all, Irma, thank you so very much uh, for joining us and taking out the time. And how is your schedule right now? What, the <laughs> life of an athletic director, how are you feeling right now as college basketball season starts and other seasons are going on right now? Well, first, thank you. Um, it's always great to have people come here and just know what we're about, who we're about. Um, and just to tell our story, I'll say it every single day. Um, but I'm excited. We're in the start of um, another season. I can't even believe basketball is here again. Um, but it really started back in July. You know, our women's volleyball team did extremely well this year and came fifth. Um, first time since 1997. Our men's soccer team continued to do some great things. Um, maybe had a little bit of a setback with injuries. Um, but those young men did nothing to put their heads down. I mean, they just... Ended up fourth in the in the conference and only losing to PKs to in PKs uh, against LIU and who was a very good team and uh, kudos to our friends down the road um, and we're into men and women's basketball uh, oh but I did live, leave out uh, water polo water men's water polo which I'm going this weekend mm-hmm. hopefully they can uh, uh, get back to that same where they used to be and uh, represent us in the uh, NCAA's. Um, but again, getting back to where yesterday was the start of men's basketball, um, women tonight, and I can't tell you how excited I am. Um, and, and again, I, I have to tell you, thank you for covering us. Um, it is so nice for people to know about the story of St. Francis. Uh, it is a pleasure. Ever since I got to meet you uh, earlier uh, this year uh, for the uh, men's and women's uh, basketball tournament, for the men's uh, basketball tournament that was here, being that the Terriers men's team was the uh, number one seed in the Northeast Conference, you mentioned water polo, and I was yes. going to get to that later, but I have to get to it now. <laughs> a couple of years ago in 2013, and for those that do know about water polo in the collegiate level, you would know that most of the powers reside out west. You have Correct. the USC's, the UCLA's, the Stanford's, the Pacific's, University of the Pacific. Correct. But St. Francis College was able to crack through and break through and make the final four in water polo as well. What did that mean to the school? Well, let's back up a little bit. Okay. The fact that we compete against Navy and Princeton and Harvard, um, it, it, and those are elite schools, 
um, and they always look at us like this little school comes in and it's just they just mind their own business and do their work and they just get it done um, and then to go west coast and I'll never forget we came in third that year um, and it's it, it puts us on the map um, they just know us as people who just love what we do and we're all about community based so the fact that well, whether we win or lose, we're always going to talk to anybody who's around us who wants to know anything about us. And we go about our business with very humble. Um, and that's the one thing I could say about our students and, and our coaches. But that comes from the leadership upstairs um, and, and for the leaders prior to the leaders upstairs. They've just done a really good job in setting the tone about the Franciscan way. And we carry that really well. So anytime we go anywhere, we always carry the Franciscan way, which is pretty much to serve and to always do good. So we don't worry about winning the big championships. Those things come easy. What we do is try to get better every day as a person and and do more for others because really the Franciscan way is if you do for others, it'll come back tenfold. And, and we really embed that into our students, not just our student-athletes, because athletics is just a portion of the college. I like to think that uh, we're always representing the college in anything that we do, and the kids really carry that well. Once again, Irma Garcia joining us, the athletics director at uh, St. Francis College in Brooklyn, New York. And uh, this past March was an amazing time in mm-hmm. St. Francis, especially for basketball, whether it be on the men's and on the women's side, the men's team, yes. the best team uh, in the Northeastern Conference, the women's team able to win the conference tournament. I believe you won every game on the road. Yes, uh, exactly. To the women's uh, <laughs> uh, basketball tournament and mm-hmm. uh, take on the University of Connecticut Huskies yes. uh, in the first round as well. Uh, I guess a couple of questions. First of all, how did you manage the, the logistics of having to go, I believe, back and forth. I don't know if it was concomitant at the same time, the men's and women's tournament, uh, when it was played. How did you work uh, the logistics? And tell me the first reaction that you had when the women's team clinched and or when the men's team was that one three-pointer away off the rim. That's a lot from, of questions. I know it's a lot of questions. And so that's me, a lot of emotions. I know. So <laughs> let, me, let, 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 me start, let me start with the women's team sure. making the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Uh, where were you and how excited and how happy were you, especially being a former yes. basketball player at this yes. college? That must have just been more than maybe what you could have handled seeing the women's basketball team and you wore that jersey mm-hmm. make it to the NCAA tournament. It, it's it was overwhelming. Um, so let, let me back it up a little okay, bit. Okay. So okay. For, for you to understand that little bit of a run, you need to understand that we had seniors that the former coach um, JT, which is Coach John Thurston's predecessor, brought in, and he was their top. He he was her top recruiter, and so there was these five young ladies, six actually, with Leah. Um, they came in, and they their senior year, their freshman year, they only won like two or three games. Their senior year was supposed to be their best year. Ends up being that their best year was actually game-wise, you know, per yeah. game, was their junior year. So the senior year, they was, we had high hopes. We had a lot of injuries. And so that kind of dwindled, and the games weren't. And all we wanted to do was make the playoffs. So... 
paying attention to the men because they're the top team and the women are just squeaking in mm-hmm. to get into the playoffs. They make it and then the men lose and so the women start yes. their playoff start. And so what happens is that I'll never forget being here and watching um, another institution cut down your nets, and it's not pretty. Oh. It is the hardest thing to do. You watched. Oh, yeah. Literally I, watched. I wanted to watch it because it's always a lesson for all of us. Um, and, again, to be, if you want to you be humble about it, you've got to be graceful about losing just as much as winning. And, so, um, and I wanted the kids to know I was with them. It wasn't just about them losing. It's all of us are in this together. And so watching them cut the, the net was really painful. <laughs> and so the next day we have to go to um, Central Connecticut. I asked somebody to, to join me because I was pretty exhausted. I didn't get that much sleep that night. Um, and so we drove to Central Connecticut to watch the women start their run. And I, I've gone to Central Connecticut. I can, I can do it with my eyes closed. That night I get lost. Because I ke- I just kept driving, it wasn't paying attention. And well, where's your navigator? Well, that was the problem. She was like saying, uh, "I think you're going." I go, "No, I know what I'm doing. I've done this with my eyes closed." We went an hour away. We have to come an hour back, and I get to the game at halftime for the women's game. And so I see them. They had a big lead, and then that started to dwindle, and then it went into overtime, and then into second overtime. And something in me said. This team is relentless, you know. They're so re- they have such such um, their mental part is so strong and much stronger than anybody I've seen. And they just kept saying it was really interesting. Um, coach said instead of saying this is what you got to do and this and and coach him that way, he says, "Do you have five more minutes in you?" And I remember those kids saying, "Yeah, well, yeah, five more minutes, not a problem." He goes, "That's all we need. We just need five more minutes." And they went out there like as, as if they were just starting the game. I'll never forget that. And it stayed with me. I was like, wow, this is a great way of coaching. They win. We go to the next game. They win. We get like two bus loads and we go up to Robert Morris. And by then, I'm really spent. The week, I fly there. Of course, everything's delayed. I think our flight got canceled. I forget how it goes. We get there. And... They play the best basketball I've ever seen out of St. Francis uh, women's teams. I've never seen a team Even play that good. better than a team that you were on. Absolutely. I mean, the way they pass, the way they cut, the way they took care of the ball, the way they, they talked to each other, the way they, they complimented each other, the way they paid attention to their coach, the way the way, way, uh, coach coached. It was just amazing. And the beauty of it was that everybody gets to cut. And, you know, the AD doesn't usually get to cut that, you know, the the, the net. But Coach JT doesn't have very good knees, Uh. and he asked me to cut the net for him. You know, the coach cuts it the last. And if you look up there, that's me. That is you. Yes. (laughs) Cutting the net. We're in in Garcia's office, Irma Garcia's (laughs) office, and I am watching right now on the top of her shelf. (laughs) Right hand... With the net, 2014-2015 Northeast Conference champions. That had to be something, just to have that net. And plus it happened at Robert Morris since they did it to us the week before. To the men, yeah, on the men's side. And so 
I didn't want to come down. Okay. <laughs> I stood there a little bit longer than I should have. And I, I apologize to Craig after, but uh, he understood. I mean, it was one of the greatest feelings. Um, so you have these highs and lows. Um, and I just think things happen for a reason, you know. Um, so maybe it wasn't the men's turn. It happens. But it was the women's turn. And part of it was that they looked at it, the women, was, you know, um, it was such a, a huge, um, I, can't, I don't know what the word is. It, it, it was it was like a, a pain, like, you know, like you lost something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you lost someone, I should say. And so they just... They just came back and said, you know what? No, if they, if they couldn't do it, we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And they were just so resilient just to get in there and just say, let, let us finish this off for you. And, and, the, and the college has been just, um, just been gracefully, you know, graciously doing like making sure that we are, are always feeling good about ourselves. And, 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 it, and it, people don't understand. It. It's the students. You, you can say... You have a great leader here. They can say, oh, Irma, this, Irma. No. I have nothing to do. I just benefit from the kids because mm. they are just unbelievable. They're great students. Um, and, and every day they make me look good. And so please don't ever say it's me. It's them. It's them. I always say them. And, and you always surround yourself with, and, and we teach the kids this, you surround yourself with good people. You don't surround yourself with yes people. They challenge me. I have very young staff, um, and they challenge me every day. Um, and so when we make decisions, it's based on just what's best for the students, not best what's for the college, but best what's, for, what's best for the students. You mentioned your young staff and your young self as yeah, well. All right. Um, and we're talking about some of the great moments that have happened within the past couple of years at St. Mm-hmm. Francis College. But being an athletic director in one of the – non-power five leagues there are a lot of challenges i'm sure there are a lot of challenges what are the biggest challenges when you have a young staff when you are the director of athletics and the division one football money is not rolling in and some of the other revenue isn't rolling in like in other schools or even a st john's in the big east with tv contracts what are those biggest challenges being an athletics director in one of those non-power five leagues you know um most people will consider things that don't go their way a problem or when something goes wrong, we have a problem. For us, it is exactly what you say, a challenge. Um, And we look at things like we're never going to be, when you say, some people say, see the glass half full, half full. I see us always half full. Um, And it's it's always important to every day for all of us, including you, myself, that you walk into a situation or you walk into a place that you want to be passionate about, that you love, and that you're going to give 100% regardless of what you have. Um, so if you said, Irma, you're only going to get $10 and you got 20 people you have to split that with, I'm probably going to buy that large pie of pizza that we keep talking about, right? Mm-hmm. That's good pizza. And, and I'm going to cut because we're all going to have a bite, and it's the company that we're in. We're going to make the most of that pizza. So maybe we don't think that we're that hungry because we're going to fill ourselves with a lot more, with love around each other. So my way of thinking of things is a little bit different than most people because um, whatever you give me is what I'm going to use. Now, having said that, we can always use more people giving to St. Francis because it's not 
some people leave here and they go, well, what would you do for me? Or I, I didn't have everything that I should have had. Exactly. But how about the kids who are coming after you or the kids you want to coach after you? Don't you want something for those kids? And every year, our student athletes keep getting because they get that. You know, that we're in a, we're in a, uh, a time right now where it's called Giving Tuesday that everybody's involved in that, and it's for annual fundraising, and the whole college is involved. But every student athlete has already given 100%. So 100% has given some sort of monetary fund to the college for Giving Tuesday. Now, I'm still trying to get all the coaches on board and from everything. From their own pockets. Yeah, from their own pockets to give back to the college. So those are things that when you're challenged with other things, you don't make it about what I don't have. It's what do we have and how do we make the most of it with what we have. Now, you hire young people. I just lost Anthony Curtin and Megan uh, O'Brien, uh, superstars. I mean, they are going to do some great things. And then I inherited two more young kids. Um, but the whole idea is to when you hire somebody, I want to hire them to know, are you in it with me because this is going to be challenging or are you looking to say, we don't have this and we don't have that? So if you ask these, my staff, they never talk about, we don't have this, we don't have that. We talk about, well, what are we going to do with what we have, what's given to us? And it's a different way of looking at things. And when you look at it that way, then your heart gets full. You know, it's not about filling your mind with things. It's filling your heart with the people you're surrounded with. And what can we do more with what we have here? And it's a, just a different way of looking at things. And it works for us. And so, yeah, maybe you have one or two people say, Irma Garcia is the craziest lady you're ever going to meet because she looks at things so different. But I know that most people will look at me and say, wow, you're doing so much with so little. And people want to know how I do it. And I said, it's just passion. You know, look at it. With, I, look, I, I, I tell everybody I have the best job in the whole wide world. And even a bad day, and there are many sometimes, you know, there's some tough days because I have to do so many things and juggle so many different things. But at the end of the day, I still had a pretty good day. Mm -hmm. You know, when I get to work with student athletes and I get to work with a young staff who keeps me young, you know, they keep me on my toes and their ideas become my crazy ideas. Um, it's, it's just a wonderful place to be at. So the power of positive thinking does come Oh, true. yes, yeah. And here it does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, once again, Irma Garcia joining us, Athletics Director at St. Francis College. And I mentioned at the very top, one of the handful of women who are athletics directors at the Division One level. Um, and you are a member of many uh, different groups, including the uh, National Association of Collegiate Women Athletic Administrators. I know that was a mouthful. Uh, <laughs> right, NACWA. You could have just said NACWA. I, I, I didn't know if it actually had that acronym. You could say <laughs> NACWA. Uh, when, uh, when that group of men and women, uh, or is it it's mostly, just, it's all women? mostly women? Mostly yeah. women, but I mean, there's some men who join. Yes, yeah. yes. I, that, I, I was assuming that. I shouldn't have assumed that. Yeah. Uh, a lot of organizations that do want to uh, enable and empower women in terms of uh, being in uh, administrative levels and positions. Uh, there's going to be men as well that also take up that cause as well. Right. Um, so uh, that's why I just assume men and women. Uh, thank you for confirming that and not making <laughs> me look stupid. Uh, what do you, uh, men and women, talk about and are you active in 
I guess, recruiting or really grooming the next group of women to become athletic administrators in the college level? So um, I'm glad you mentioned NACWA because NACWA has given me so many opportunities to be who I am. Um, they teach you to be yourself and to work within yourself so that way you can give more for other people. Uh, Patty Phillips does an unbelievable job and has grown that. that, um, that she is Patty Phillips. Patty is the, the president, president. Okay. Um, and so CEO, I guess you would okay. say, and a, a good friend. Have, we have become very good friends. Um, and she's just done a fabulous job in ensuring that women's voices heard and that uh, we are building, and like we're in the we're in the talking when there's people in the old boys club, that there's women in there, that they're they're part of that that conversation, um, and she has these conferences that really make you feel like you are going to be a, a superstar, and and I've learned so much on how to how to discuss things, how to get up in front of 300 people and talk to them how to deal with men in certain situations. Um, because, you know, in athletics, you, you would say, yeah, there's a large amount, whereas mostly men. And in, in the leadership role, you, you want more women in those leadership roles. And she, she personally has done a great job in ensuring that there's, that even in those conversations where there's search firms, that there is women in there that can, I mean, there's some women who are just knockouts. You know, they're just unbelievable and i and i'm i'm looking across here but i have i have uh megan o'brien was one and here we have another one maggie martini who is going to be unbelievable and so it is my job and my duty not to keep all the secrets to myself you know it is my job to make sure that she knows on what to do and how to handle certain things so you just missed it maybe i had a meeting outside of here but prior to that you know, I brought in my young kids and said, what did we learn from yesterday's game? And, you know, tell me what your role is and how do you see it? And how about you try this? And where do we go from here? And I want them to go out there and be the leaders that they can possibly be. But they're going to make mistakes. I make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. That's the beauty of it. You have to make mistakes. How are you going to get better, right? Yeah. And so I, I, groom, I am grooming her because hopefully someday she's going to be me. Because I don't want to be the only female. I don't want to be the only Latina. In fact, yeah. yesterday uh, a cheerle- uh, I'm sorry, dance, a member of the dance yeah. team, yeah. and uh, she came up to me and said, you know, the, the Latin club is getting together, and I threw out five ideas. And I said, I want to be part of it. Let's just do it. And this is what we need to do for a Hispanic group, and this is where we want to do. We want to join Haku. We want to join the, the uh, Hispanic uh, Chambers of Commerce, and you want to know this, and you want to know, I'm going to put you in contact with this and that. And the whole idea is that we want, I want women to have more opportunities. I want the, the Hispanic group to have more opportunities. One of my biggest, um, my biggest, uh, it's how you say? Um, pet peeves. Pet maybe? peeves, okay. Is that the Hispanic men are not going to college. Okay, they're going right into the workforce, and they're not starting to come. You see a lot of females going to college now, and but the men aren't. Where are they? And so we have to do a better job to educate them, to let them know how important it is to go to the college uh, forefront so that way they can do other great things and maybe they can go into administration like I am. Another thing that you probably didn't know, I'm teaching now. And First so, year of teaching here? Yeah, it's, I've taught before, okay. but this, this semester they asked me, they got kind of a little stuck, and I'm teaching sports management. 
but I have 22 bright young men and women, and um, and it's not about them being in athletics because some of them just taking it for an elective to find out more about it because that's the you know they love sports they think because it's sports and you take a sports management class doesn't really have anything to do with that but okay <laughs> but the fact is that I'm able to mentor them. And, you know, um, maybe I, I got 22 new resumes. I told them how to do resume and what, as a, a leader, what am I looking for when somebody comes in? And a whole conversation and getting them to read books, leadership books that, that are going to help them and, you know, empower them to be something even more what they want it to be. Um, so it is my duty. I, I do it every day. I, when I walk around, I don't have a problem. It's, I live in the neighborhood it takes me sometimes good 45 minutes to get up here because, you know, somebody might need the garbage taken out or someone wants to talk to me about what happened, at, you know, during the weekend in the neighborhood. Or it could be just somebody somebody has a, a, a terrier dog, so I always stop and talk to the terrier dog. <laughs> I mean, it is my job to always represent the college and to help all these wonderful young women who are able to do great things. And if you notice, they're... Look how, how they surround. The kids are always around her because she's going to do some great yeah. things. Uh, if you did not know, uh, Terriers is the mascot for St. <laughs> Francis College, just in case you didn't know why uh, Irma stops and makes sure to interact with uh, Terrier dogs, uh, among other things. You may be a dog lover in general yeah, well. as well. So it could be St. Bernard's and right. uh, boxers as well. Uh, you hit on it a little bit uh, being... Uh, Hispanic or Latina in your position and I was going to ask you how do you feel the impact of your heritage and being in the position you are and you hit on that a little bit especially being in New York City of all places as well you know one of the hubs for uh, Latin Americans in the United States Um, how do you feel I guess you can expound on it a little more how do you really feel that impact of your heritage and being a Latina and the first Latina in uh, in the position of director athletics in the position you're at how do you feel that impact and uh, are there any stories of people and you mentioned uh, the dance team member coming to you as well right. so uh, how do you really feel that impact uh, of your position and your heritage so uh, you didn't ask me about my family no. so, right no, so, no, we can because so, so, <laughs> it has a lot to do yeah. with uh, um, the Hispanic yeah. way you can take me right. where you want to go with so that. so I'm one of eight um there's seven girls and one boy, my mom and dad. My dad passed away three years ago, who I was really close to. That's that's them here. Okay. Yeah, Showing you pictures. Yep. Anyways, um and so the his you know, if you're Hispanic, you know it's family. It's always about family, it's about your titis, your tias, your tios, your tios, you know, your abuelita, abuelita abuelito, you know, and so on and so on. But you almost like as you go along you always pick up you pick up 10. You don't even know if they're related to you, but you're related somehow. It's just that whole six-degree circle, whatever you want to call it, uh, and, and you always connect it to someone else. So I've been brought up that way. You know, I'm very close to my brother and my sisters. They all live in Florida. I'm still here, um, but I, I'm very close. You know, if, if you ask me who's your best friends, Anybody could tell you uh, it's, it's her crazy family. They're always <laughs> hanging out. Crazy seems like a theme. Yeah, you know, yeah. They keep me. They keep me sharp. You know? um, and so, the family atmosphere is what this place is. So I really run this like a family. And so, when you're Spanish and we 
and usually if you're Spanish in this area, I talk to you in Spanish because we want to stay connected somehow. And so in, in order for us to even get people to do certain things, like the Latin Club, and there's even there's many of our student-athletes who are Hispanic. Um, you know, I'm Puerto Rican, but there's the Dominicans, Ecuadorians, the Argentinians. You know, you go on and on, Costa Ricans. Um, they all, we all feel somewhat connected, you know. And so the Latin Club, being what it is, I mean, it is important for us to make sure that we're helping each other. Now, uh, a couple of years ago, we ran something where it was just uh, Hispanic-based. One thing that I do have a problem with um, is that they they use the women of color, okay? And so women of color is anybody other than white, okay? So we we fall into it. Well, you're not a woman, but a man of color or or if you're Asian or you're any other kind of descent of a, a, a Muslim, you would be considered man of color or women of color. And I and I find that always like kind of like it makes you like separate you. You know, and I, I I always have a hard time when people say, Well, you know, you don't have this and again, the haves and have nots. Yeah. And I'm saying, Well, we don't want people to hire us because I'm Puerto Rican. Don't hire me because I'm Puerto Rican because I'm Hispanic. I don't want you. I'm not going to hire you because you're black or you're African American, however you want to be called. Um, but you want to get hired because you're quality. And in that, it had to do because I'm Spanish, because I like the family. Because maybe what I do here may not fit. Like, I couldn't be a good fit for maybe UCLA where it's mostly fundraising and all that. And it has nothing to do with being raising, you know, trying to get the, the community together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I think that being um, Hispanic and seeing seeing so many more and and we know that we can bring them up. I mean, I, I work with many of the women of color um, and many call me for mentorship and I'm willing to do that, but I don't want to be divided. I want it to be where we're, you know, it's not about... I want them. I, I want Maggie to make it because not because she's a female or woman. I want her to make it because she's good. I want Chase to make it because he's good. You know, if you look at um at Kyle, our track coach, who's African American, I want him to make it because he's good, not because he's black. You know, that's mm-hmm. that 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 really bothers me when people try to try to um, make that distinction. Yeah, uh, this familial feel, this feel of family, uh, doesn't happen in the bigger time schools because you're so concerned about fundraising and whatnot. And I do want to go back a little bit to uh, uh, NACWA, uh, and you explained the importance of it to mm-hmm. so many women and men as well. Uh, do you see maybe a bias still from university presidents in terms of hiring women, in terms of being athletic directors? Yeah, and we talk about that. There's a presidential part of the NACWA where they meet with presidents and they educate them on what, you know, don't be afraid to hire a female because this is what they can bring for you. Why the um, fear? Um, some you people, don't be afraid. Some people are still stuck in that, you know, the old boys club, you know, um, that they feel more comfortable uh, some people can't have a conversation with females. They just feel, you know, sometimes, you, you know, you have to have thick skin in athletics. So 
you I, I can't sit back there and start crying you know every time something goes wrong i mean there's sometimes i want to cry but you know i mean you just can't do it you just got to be able to be you got to be at your your quick part you know you got to think think i'm always thinking ahead you know i always like have a, B, C in my pocket, so A doesn't work, B is going to come on, C might come out later, but D is definitely going to work. Do you think uh, university presidents that are guys fall into that lazy thinking of, oh, because she's a woman and the job may be a little bit too stressful that she may yeah. have an emotional breakdown and yeah. stuff? Yeah. They still have yeah. that thought process. But, but that's where yeah. um, Patty does a good job in educating them and you know making sure that she gets to many of the presidents to let them know. No, I mean maybe maybe there might be some some um, ads who are female who might break down. I mean I've seen I've seen some of my colleagues who, and and it's not necessarily just female. I've seen some of my colleagues who are ma- males that have broken down, um, or you know I mean it's a stressful job and and it it actually can take you this way or that way. But it, it's up to you by going to these professional developments and. And when when I have a difficult day and I don't know how to get myself out of it, I'm I'm not afraid to pick up the phone and call my colleagues down at LIU, my colleagues at CW, I mean uh, Central Connecticut, or at Wagner, and say, hey, this is what's happening. And I'm not afraid to to call not only the AD, but I could call the presidents, I can call the SWAs that are below me, because to me, everybody's this way. Um, and if you treat everybody this way, you're not you you can't fail because no. you're all going to help each other out. There's so many there's so many opportunities to get the word out about your school in New York City. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you're competing with so many other universities and so many other interests right. and so many different organizations and businesses, maybe not even colleges, that are trying to get the attention of so many people here in New York. How do you get the word out about St. Francis College as an athletic director, and not just with athletics, but with students as well? How do you get the word out here in New York? Well, there's, there's a few ways. I think uh, when you have a marketing person like uh, Maggie and um, before that, Megan, who work extremely hard to get the word out, social media, the typical stuff. Um, but let's just take it back to where we went to UConn. And everybody yeah. says, you're going to get blown out by 100. <laughs> they, you know, they, some people predicted 100. But it's, it's the way you carry yourself. I wear St. Francis proudly wherever I go. And so I remember sitting at the end of that game. We lose by around 50, I think. It was about 50. Um, and... Gino talked more about St. Francis than he talked about his team. And he said how classy we were, how we continued to play hard, how we brought about 200 people, how, how the fans decided to root for us instead of UConn, how our dog outbeat, outdanced <laughs> their dog, you know, and so we wanted something. Um, but, you know, it, the greatest thing was that I went to the Final Four last year, Women's Final Four, which is in Tampa. And how did I miss you? I, I was know. there too. Oh, <laughs> but I had St. Francis gear, and UConn's there, and they go, oh, you're from St. Francis, I remember. And they don't forget. So when we go somewhere, I, I think we do such a great job representing the college because it's who we are. We're that blue-collar school that just wants to get along with everybody that, you know, <laughs> we're, not, we're, not, we're not mean. We, we don't mean to be mean if we are, but we're just here to have fun and um, I take a lot of pride in, in, in our academics, you know, to have the women's basketball second in the nation, our, our, our bowling team right up there, top 10. 
our men's water polo team, top 10, you know, and we do extremely well in things that are just as important as playing. And so people remember that. We're just, we just want people to be a part of something special. And so when you come here, and I think you get that too, you come to St. Francis, we're going to make you like you're our family. I don't care where you're from, uh, how long I've known you, you're part of our family. It's like Hotel California. You check in, but you never check out. <laughs> and so that kind of feeling, you can't go wrong. So the work gets out. Um, the run that we have with our men and women, um, I, I can't tell you, you know, how many people from all over, overseas, said, you know, they talk about St. Francis, or I want a Brooklyn St. Francis shirt, which is pretty cool. It's a cool shirt. Yeah, the one that has um, the Brooklyn on top of absolutely. Yeah, St. Francis. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it it just helps itself. The kids do a great job recruiting themselves. So we, we kind of spread out that way, and and they feel good about it. And we have, we have many parents come and watch games, and they feel part of something special as well. So it, it just it just spreads. It keeps spreading. And, and a lot of it is we look at it, we don't just win in, uh, it's not W's and L's. We win in a lot of different ways, which helps us with the W's and L's. Uh, and I can attest to the fact that this college makes you feel uh, like this is family. We've really only talked three or four times, trust me. It may sound as if uh, that we've uh, had a relationship much longer, but it's just our third or fourth time uh, talking with each other, and this is our longest conversation that we had, and one of my uh, biggest memories coming here for about maybe the second time was when the uh, when Press Row was still court level, mm-hmm. and I walked in, I was a little late, um, of course, me being late, um, and I think uh, there weren't enough seats for the media members there, right. and I remember standing for a little bit, and I totally didn't mind standing, right. okay, and I think you were standing right by the corner, and uh, you were so adamant and wanting to make sure that I had a seat without even knowing that you were the director <laughs> of athletics, right. okay, none of that, that would have mattered anyway, right. okay, and I totally remembered that and knew, had already known that uh, St. Francis College was a great institution and that thought process, I mean, that's just only really grown a whole lot more uh, for the few times afterwards that we've been here, especially today. And I cannot thank you enough uh, for this conversation. One last question. How many people have you had to correct in terms of calling it St. Francis College outside of St. Francis University, which is the one in Loretto, Pennsylvania, in the same league as you how many times have you had to say college when, not when universe? um when i first um took over as the ad it was really kind of a little annoying because it used <laughs> to be a lot now um my good friend bob says everybody's are calling us st francis college <laughs> so it's just turned a little bit um and he's such a great guy he does a great job over at at, at our brother and sister school um Hey, we are who we are. We don't try to make believe or we don't say that we're anything else but who we are. I'm really proud of being who we are. Um, I think if you ask 90 90 students, 90 would say, yeah, this is who we are and we love who we are. Um, We're never going to change. And we're only going to continue to get better and, and bring more people into our family. Irma Garcia, the Director of Athletics at St. Francis College, the Terriers in Brooklyn, New York, the Brooklyn Heights section of Brooklyn and New York City. Thank you so very much for joining us. Gracias, Irma. Te veo más tarde. De nada. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) 
the inaugural season of the National Women's Hockey League is well and truly underway. And of the four founding teams of the quartet, the Connecticut Whale are by far the pace setters of the quartet. Still undefeated. The last game, a dramatic 4-3 victory in a shootout. And we are joined right now on intermission by the player who scored the only goal in that shootout, in that 4-3 victory, Kelly Stack, two-time silver medalist, three-time world champion for the United States uh, women's team. First of all, Kelly, thank you so very much for joining us, uh, scoring the shootout goal against the Riveters in overtime, staying undefeated. That's make you just slightly excited, correct? Yeah, I mean, that was exhilarating um, to score the game-winning goal like that in a shootout. You know, our team worked so hard all game to fight back and tie it up at the end, and so um, once our goalie made three saves in the shootout, you know, it's kind of down to me as the last shooter to go to kind of finish it off, and so once I saw the puck cross the goal line, I was just ecstatic, arms in the air, and looking for my teammates to go hug. Uh, was that your number one go-to move uh, on that uh, shootout goal? Uh, I try to switch it up a little bit. Um, I think, you know, I go back and forth between kind of deking or shooting, seeing what's open, taking what the goalie gives me, and just trying to make it difficult on the goalie, make him make the first move, and kind of go from there. Uh, to go from having your team starting to assemble and trying to gain chemistry to having this unbelievable streak to start out, is this even surprising to you how this team has coalesced and gelled so well and how you've done so well to start the season? Uh, I mean, it's a little surprising just because the other three teams in the league are very talented and deep, and so um, to go undefeated so far throughout the season is... Um, it's a huge feat for us, but um, I think we try to take it one game at a time and just, you know, play as hard as we can every game, and hopefully the outcome goes in our favor. Uh, once again, Kelly Stack joining us on the intermission, and you were a part of the Canadian Women's uh, Hockey League as well, and I'm sure a lot of people on the surface would say, oh, jumping from the CWHL to the NWHL must have been easy given that the CWHL, no salary, stipends, and then in the uh, NWHL, there's a salary. Um, how easy was that jump from the CWHL to this league? Um, I think it was something that, you know, us as American players, we were interested in doing it because the teams were all going to be in the U.S. And so for us, that was a huge draw. Um, we wouldn't have to travel to Toronto, you know, 10-hour bus ride from Boston. So um, it was just, it was kind of an easy decision for us to make. And we wanted to start something new and um, fresh. And so we figured if, you know, all of us jump in at once, then hopefully it'll be successful. And so far it is. It's been great. I guess how strenuous is this for you now? Of course, you're getting ready later this month for the uh, winter camp uh, for the United States team, getting ready for the World Championships um, in British Columbia as well. So uh, how excited are you for that? And uh, how strenuous and stressful is it that you have to really compact all of these games? Yeah, it's definitely a grind. I mean, um, this is kind of the halfway point of the season. And, you know, when winter camp rolls around, um, it's definitely it's a tough camp to get through. Um, everyone there is super talented, so it's a lot of hard work. And uh, by the end, everyone's kind of ready to go home. But it's good to see everyone. You know, we don't get to see each other that often or get together as a team very often. So um, it's nice to uh, be in Minnesota and be with the team and um, just work hard and have fun. So. How excited are you that this league is going to have the exposure internationally? The Riveters are going to Japan. Uh, the Boston team is going to be part of the uh, Winter Classic, even though not 
the whole roster is going to be uh, on the team as well. I know you may have feelings on that as well, but how excited are you that uh, this league is getting that exposure as well? It's unbelievable. I mean, that's that's the kind of exposure that women's hockey needs to get, um, you know, on the national stage and international stage, um, just to showcase our talents and show the world that, you know, women's hockey is a great sport. Um, and that's just the kind of support that we need um, going forward in the future. Uh, Kelly Stack again joining us. And I'm not sure if you realized it when you were in Vancouver in 2010 and in Sochi in 2014, but the impact that your team was making uh, across the world and definitely in the U.S. to uh, young up-and-coming uh, women's hockey players, how much did you realize it at the time you were playing in Vancouver and in Sochi? And at the same time, um, um, how, did it, um, how did you realize it once you left Sochi and left Vancouver, that impact? I think um, after Vancouver, I didn't realize it as much just because I was younger than I was only 22. Um, but after Sochi, I definitely, you know, when we came back, even though we didn't win a gold medal, everyone was just super ecstatic the way we played, the way we kind of like unified the country and got everybody watching. And um, so that was just an incredible feeling and knowing that, you know, we're inspiring the next generation of female hockey players to, you know, follow in our footsteps. It's, it's a great feeling. Kelly Stack, thank you so very much for the time. Best of luck to your hockey career going forward, and congratulations on the win tonight. Thank you very much. That's a wrap for episode number 24, and I think we set a record for most guests on the A Lot of Sports Talk podcast for one single podcast. Five guests, and we thank all of them so much. We'll do it in reverse order of appearance. Kelly Stack, Irma Garcia, Christian McCaffrey, Deshaun Watson, and the Heisman Trophy winner, Derek Henry. All five joining us in turning this episode, episode number 24, into a very special episode and podcast. And very shortly, we will release episode number 25. And how awesome would it be if we were able to release episode number 25 on December 25th, Christmas Day? We will try and do that for you. And regardless of whether it's on the 25th, a little earlier or a little later, I'm sure that you will join us for episode number 25. And once again, log on and stay tuned to A Lot of Sports Talk and go on to a lot of sportstalk.com. On Sunday, we will have the recap of the Carolina Panthers game against the New York Giants from MetLife Stadium. Will the Carolina Panthers go to 14-0 and on the season or will the New York Giants snap Carolina's winning streak and snap perfection and also in the process stay alive for an NFC East division championship. So we'll have a recap of Carolina and the New York Giants on Sunday and next week we will have our first a lot of sports talk college basketball top 25 poll as well. So that's coming down the pipeline in the next few days and remember episode number 25 to be released very shortly of the a lot of sports talk podcast. Thank you so very much for joining us once again. My name is Adashina Koike and we will see you next time on episode number 25. Thank you so much and you take care. Bye-bye.